hope you'll take advantage of this great conference coming up this weekend. If you've been thinking about it, stop thinking about it. Do it. Do it. Just like Nike. Do it. Amen? All right? So it's good to see everybody. Those of you who signed up for the dinner tonight, if you didn't sign up, oh, man, too bad. But if you did sign up, uh, 5 o'clock, 5 o'clock this afternoon. We're going to have three more of these this year. So if you didn't make this one, you can catch the next one. Dinner with the staff. It used to be called 101. It still is 101. We're just putting some food in there. And the people said, hallelujah. All right. Uh, right during fasting. Okay. <clears throat> now, I don't. some of you may have to leave early today. And you might not get all my sermon. I hope you do uh, get it all. But just in case you don't, we have got a, a little mini sermon we're going to do right now by a couple of guys. Uh, that are just really, really deep teachers in the Word of God. They're called Johnny and Chachi. <laughs> and so they're going to help. They're going to give us six tips on prayer. Six tips on prayer. So right before the message, watch this video clip. Hi, I'm Johnny. And I'm Chachi. We're getting here ministries. You know, a lot of people come up to us and ask us hard questions about God and the Bible and spiritual living. And you know why a lot of those questions are softball questions for us? There are actually some pretty good ones. One of them being, how do I have a better prayer life? Well, good news, we got some killer tips to a better prayer life. Before we do that, though, let's start off with a title and some dance moves. No, we're not doing the title and the dance. Let's just kind of get into this. When you're saying a prayer in public, you want to use the phrase Father God as much as humanly possible. Just last week, I said a 30-second prayer and got 17 Father Gods in it. Now look, I'm not bragging. I'm just saying with a little bit of effort, it can be done. If you have a prayer request but don't actually want to request it, simply say, unspoken. I currently have six unspokens that I'm praying for this guy about. Johnny, sorry to bother you, but I actually have another prayer request. Okay. What? It's unspoken. <laughs> okay, well that's seven. And while I have no clue what I'm praying about, someone does. Just no one human. The Bible says pray without ceasing, and well, we believe in the Bible. Chachi has been praying without ceasing for over 32 hours now. Chachi, how do you feel? What, who said what? Where am I? Well, Chachi, you have been praying for over 32 hours straight. You feel pretty good? Can I get a restroom break? <laughs> Not if you want to fully obey scripture. Let's say you become privy to some juicy information about someone, but don't want to be seen as a gossip. We've got good news. You're good to go if you put it in the form of a prayer request. I still cannot believe what Jill said to Keith. I can't believe it either. Did you know that John got canned? What? Are you, are you? Let's talk about it in a prayer group. Some think your prayer position is irrelevant. But we have found that your prayer position can not only boost your prayer life, but can stretch you physically. Chachi, why don't you go ahead and show us some examples? Well, I wasn't really planning on praying, but I guess I can give it a shot. Okay. Oh, very nice. Good. That is classic. Wow. 
Seriously, wow. The last thing you do when you pray is fairly obvious. You say, amen. And if you happen to be in a group of people holding hands, it's imperative that you accompany that amen with a physical action known as the hand squeeze. The squeeze lets the people on either side of you know, hey, the prayer's over. I care about you, but I'm letting go now. And when you are holding hands, never interlock, because that can make your prayer partners a little uncomped. We want to thank you for watching, or shall I say, growing in your prayer life. Yeah, now can we do the, the title and dance moves? No, just kind of say thanks for watching. And That's seriously unreal. This is actually my miracle position. I just wanted to make sure if you had to leave early that you got some deep teaching on prayer. Johnny and Chachi will visit us from time to time and give us their insights on various matters related to the Christian walk. Could y'all write those down? Y'all get those? We're beginning a brand new series today on prayer. You've heard of iPod, where we're going to talk about I pray. We're going to go to the book of Luke, chapter 11. The book of Luke is all about prayer, or chapter 11, rather, is all about prayer. There are actually two lessons on prayer. The first one is found in verses 1 through 4, and it is what we refer to as the Lord's Prayer. And um, in that prayer, we uh, find words that are very familiar to us. It begins, Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. We've all heard that before. We've prayed that many times. We've joined with groups and prayed that prayer before. This prayer, this teaching from Jesus, teaches us how to pray for our needs, how to pray for what we need. Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. And then it says, forgive us our sins. Forgive us, uh, Lord, uh, help us forgive those who trespass against us. Give us the bread that we need every day. All through the Lord's Prayer are requests for ourselves, and that's fine. That's fine. God wants you to do that. He tells us in the Word of God we don't have because we don't ask. And so uh, we know that this is part of our prayer life. He talks to us about meeting our needs all through the Bible. In the book of Philippians chapter 4, and verse 19, it says, My God shall supply all my needs and all of your needs according to to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. Can I just settle it in your mind this morning that the Lord delights. He delights in meeting your needs. He delights in hearing your prayers as you cry out to him. And wasn't the, wasn't the dance performance this morning, the ministry of the dance, wasn't that awesome? Can we just give that team a big hand? I tell you, boy, they messed me up. So God delights to meet our needs. So in the first part of Luke, verses 1 through 4, I guess we could call that like grammar school level prayer, or we could call it high school level. You know, Jesus kind of takes us where we are. But then he goes right into, in Luke 11, what I would call a graduate course in prayer, because then he begins to talk about uh, how to pray for others. He takes us to another level, H-N-L, y'all know what that stands for? Whole, another level in our prayer life. And he teaches us 
that we pray not only for ourselves, but we intercede and we pray for others. It is a deeper dimension. It is a higher height of prayer. Now, sometimes when we pray for others, think about it, really what we're praying for the other person is uh, something that we hope will kind of rebound back to us and, and bless us. It's like the girl who was praying for her mother. She said, Lord, I pray that you would give my mother a wonderful, rich, good-looking son-in-law. I pray for that. I ask for that. So you have to be careful even when you're praying for other people that it's not really about you. And so, again, this teaching that we're going to go through in the book of Luke, chapter uh, 11, 5 through 13, is that, that higher height of prayer. It talks about praying for one another that we might be healed. And here in Luke 11, we are getting a lesson on intercessory prayer. Let's read that passage together, if you will, in uh, Luke 11, beginning with verse 5. It says, And he said to them, Jesus said to them, Which of you shall have a friend? Now follow this little story Jesus is telling. Which of you shall have a friend and go to him at midnight and say to him, Friend, lend me three loaves. For a friend of mine has come to me, he's come to my house on his journey, and I have nothing to feed him. I have no food to set before him. And this friend who you are asking the three loaves will answer from within and say, Do not trouble me. The door is now shut. And my children are in bed, are with me in bed. I cannot rise and give to you. I say to you. Notice when Jesus says, I say to you, that's like saying, listen, listen. Though he will not rise and give to him, because he is his friend, and yet because of his persistence, he will rise and give him as many as he needs. And then Jesus goes out of that story, out of that parable, and he goes into application. Look what Jesus said. So, I say to you, Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receives. And he who seeks, finds. And to him who knocks, it will be opened. This is a word for somebody here today, so get it. If a son asks for bread from any father among you, Look what Jesus is doing here. He's saying, now you're earthly dads. He said, now you earthly dads, think about this. If your son were to ask bread from you, he said, would you instead give him a stone? Think about how uh, bread and a stone are similar in appearance at a distance. He says, you would not fool your child. You, don't, you would not trick your child. And instead of giving them the bread they need, hand them a stone. He says, or if you ask for a fish, your child were to ask you for a fish, would you as a father instead give him a serpent, something that is bad for him, something that would harm him? No, you would not do that. Or if he asked uh, for an egg, would you offer him a scorpion? And the reason Jesus uses that illustration is because when a scorpion rolls up, when he hides himself and tries to camouflage himself, 
he rolls up into what looks like an egg. And so he says, if, a, if your father, or if your son, rather, comes to you as a father and says, Father, I, I, I need an egg that I might be fed. He said, would you give him a scorpion? Of course not. Then Jesus says this, and this is profound. Jesus, you know, Jesus said some pretty profound stuff. And verse 13 is pretty profound. If you then, being evil. Now, when Jesus said that, he didn't mean these men or these fathers that he was speaking to were, were evil in the sense of being a murderer or a thief or, or a schemer or, or uh, evil in that sense. He was comparing humanity to God. He said, if you've been being human, if you've been being ruled by your carnality and struggling with your flesh, your carnality, if you've been being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children. Even as a human, you know how to give good gifts. He said, how much more will your heavenly father give? And then he gets very specific. He could have said right here, he could have said, how much more will your heavenly father give to those who ask him? But he got very specific. He said, how much more will your heavenly father give what? The Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit to those who ask him. The first thing I want us to notice in this message today is the subject of this prayer. The subject of this prayer. It's very important that we get that. Because sometimes when you're telling a story in the Bible, the subject can get lost. Because you get caught up in the story and you get caught up, just like the story of David and Goliath, if you're not really careful... You can get so caught up in that amazing story that would make an incredible movie. You can get so caught up in that that you miss the principles that are in there. As a matter of fact, I have a series that I do on, on uh, the story surrounding David uh, and Goliath. And, and there are about seven principles in that story. So when you're studying a passage, don't miss the point. And it would be easy to do that with this passage. What our Lord is talking about here is praying for the power of the Holy Spirit to be upon your life. That is something you need to learn to pray. That is something you need to learn to ask for. In your prayer time, one of the things that you need to be crying out to God for is that the touch of God, the power of God, some people refer to that, and this may be a little Christianese for you, but the anointing, the anointing, and the reason the word anointing is used is because often men in the Bible were anointed with oil, and that oil was a picture of the Holy Spirit. So when you hear us talking our Christianese language around here, those of you who haven't been in church very much, or maybe you've been in a church that didn't talk about these kind of things, when you hear the word anointing, or I desire the anointing, or I pray for the anointing, here's all we're saying. We're saying, God... I want you to, to lay upon me, to give unto me the power of your Holy Spirit. Look at it in verse 13. Actually, verse 13 in the passage that I read to you is the key verse. And when you're studying the Bible, there's often a key verse 
or a key phrase or a key word in a passage that really unlocks that passage and lets all of that good truth come out so you can see it. And verse 13 is the key to this passage that I'm reading to you. Look what Jesus said again. If you then, being evil, being human, you know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more? How much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? Now, I want to say something to you. I want you to get this. If I'm going to preach with power, if I'm going to stand up here, my, that's my, my, one of my gifts is, is being that preacher-teacher. But if I'm going to do that with power, I can't just rely on, I can't just rely on the gift. I have to have the anointing of the Holy Spirit. I depend thoroughly and completely. Listen to me. I am desperate for the touch of God on my life if I'm going to stand up here and preach the word to you. And I don't know what your calling is, but you have a ministry. Every one of you in this building, you have a ministry, you have a gift, you have a calling upon your life. And you are just as desperate for the anointing, the empowering of the Holy Spirit in your life as I am in mine. I'm telling you, those guys who welcome you into the parking lot on Sunday morning with the big hands need the touch of God on that ministry. Let me tell you one of the things we talk about all the time as a staff. We talk all the time about People are going to be here this weekend, whether it's at the bridge. And i got to tell you something, man. We have two awesome services at the bridge. That's our church in Goldsboro that meets on Thursday and Saturday night. We'd love to have you guys come if you haven't been out there. If you're going to be away on the weekend, come by the bridge on Thursday night and have church with us. You'll get the same sermon, same kind of music, uh, same coffee. Amen. Hallelujah. Uh, but we have two awesome services at the bridge uh, this weekend. But... But no matter what you're doing, no matter where you're serving, if you're serving coffee, you have to remember that the person coming in the door could be saying, this is what we talk about all the time, this is my last chance for the church. I'm giving the church one more chance. I've been hurt in church. I've been hurt by people who call themselves pastors. I've been hurt by people who call themselves deacons. I've been hurt by people who call themselves Christians. I've been hurt. I've been disillusioned. And so I, and and, and they may have quit for a while, but that, that yearning is still in there. So they go, you know what? I keep hearing about this Whitley church. I keep hearing about them showing six crazy prayer tips. So I got to go find out what's going on. And I'm going to give God, listen to me, one more try. One more try. That's the way you ought to greet Every person on Sunday morning that you don't know. You see, God may put you face to face with the person who's giving God one more chance. And if you are all about yourself, and you are all about your little world, and your little family, and your close friends, and you're not keeping your head on swivel like they used to tell us in football, keep your head on swivel, know what's going on, all around you, then you're going to walk right by that person. And you're going to ignore that person. But you know what I think? I think if the anointing of the Holy Spirit is on you, 
I think if the power of the Holy Spirit is in your life, I think that makes you like Jesus, and I think that makes you notice hurting people. I think it makes you notice things that the average Christian doesn't notice. Let me tell you something. If you're in this choir, if you stand on this stage, if you play a musical instrument, let me talk to you guys who do all that. People who come to church look to you before they look to anybody else to show love and friendliness and warmth. Y'all hearing me out there, choir? You hearing me, praise team? You hearing me, band? People who walk up on this stage, it is magnified about ten times how you treat people more than it is the person sitting on the pew. Those who serve in the nursery, you know, when somebody hands over their child, don't go, help me, Jesus, thank you, you know. Dear God, please come get them as soon as you can, you know. I mean, who wants to leave their child with somebody like that? And if you do serve in the nursery, can you do me a favor? Can you get here before the people do who are bringing their children? Can I preach on that today? It is really, really important that you're waiting in the nursery when they get here. And you say, well, it's asking a whole lot. Well, that's for Jesus. That isn't for Farrell or Millie. That's for Jesus. Am I preaching a little bit right here this morning? And you know what? If the anointing of the Holy Spirit is on you, you'll have a whole different attitude about your ministry. If you do your ministry with, with a, a feeling of grudge, if you do your ministry with a feeling of, I do more than everybody else, and boy, that guy doesn't do as much as I do, and nobody ever says thank you to me, then you know what? You need to go back and get your good old dose of the Holy Ghost. Amen. You need to get a good old dose of God and get over yourself. Amen? There's a great gospel group called the Eagles. And they sing a song called Get Over It. And we're going to learn that and sing it right here in the house of God. <clears throat> Build a bridge and then get over it, all right? We don't dare fail to pray for the power of God when we sing. I'm telling you, choir, you need the anointing of the Holy Spirit when you sing just like I need it when I preach. Guys, I don't care how good you are at your musical instruments. I don't care how good you are at whatever it is you do. You need the touch of God. You need the touch of God that makes it powerful. Listen, I can preach the word, but only the Holy Spirit can impart the word. You can sing. You may be a glorious singer. You may be an awesome singer. Can I tell y'all that there was a time when I led praise and worship in this church? We ran about 60 then. And I remember somebody bought a tape, and I didn't know the worship was on the tape. I thought just the sermon was on the tape. And I got the microphone in my mouth singing, and I'm off key. And this guy hears me singing, pray, and he goes out in the yard and gets his wife and says, Come in here, you have got to hear this. See, I'm not, I'm not a singer. There was a time when I had to lead worship at Whitley. Boy, those were desperate times, weren't they? But I want to tell you, man, it wasn't the singing, it was the anointing. I would just pray and say, God, touch me, help me. And, and God can take a, a, a gift that isn't so strong, and he can make you 
more powerful than that person who has a gift that far exceeds your gift because they don't think they need the touch of God on their singing or they don't think they need the touch of God on their teaching. We must have the Holy Spirit. The ministry of Jesus Christ must be done in the power of the Holy Spirit, not in human power. We can go through the motions of ministry, but without the Holy Spirit, it's it's zero. It equals zero, even less than zero. And by that I mean it does damage. When you do damage, when you do ministry and you don't have the touch of God on your life, you do damage. You hurt the work of God. If I try to preach without the Holy Spirit in my life, I become as a sounding brass and a tinkling cymbal. I'm only making a noise. So the subject of the prayer is Jesus Christ teaching Christians how to pray. How to intercede for the power of the Holy Spirit to be upon them so that they might reach their loved ones. It is intercession for loved ones that God is teaching us here. But not just intercession for loved ones. Notice the dual thing that's being asked for here. Is God, I want to bless others, but in order for me to bless others, I must have the touch of God on my life. So I'm asking you this morning, is the touch of God on your life? I'm going to do a little drama this morning. Y'all ready? How y'all like my tennis shoes? Thank you. <coughs> Mama always said work up for the shoes. Okay. All right. Don't ever miss a service here. You never know what's going to happen. So that's the subject of the prayer is the Holy Spirit. And I know it's 11 minutes past 10, but I don't care. Okay. The next thing I want you to notice, I'm going to shoot this out there real quick, so listen fast, is the size of this prayer. Not only the subject, but the size. Jesus goes into a parable here, and he starts talking about, uh, and I'm going to kind of pull me and Millie and kind of make it modern, but he talks about a guy who's sitting at home with his wife one night, and it's midnight, and all of a sudden a knock comes on the door. Must be a metal door. All right. Now, listen. So, so now in, in our culture, that would, be, that would be crazy, you know, to get a knock on the door at midnight. Uh, but in that culture, in the Middle Eastern culture, and especially in that particular time, that was not an unusual thing because people traveled and they had to eat with others and eat at each other's house and there weren't restaurants and, you know, you couldn't pull off at McDonald's off the interstate. You had to, you had to just... Um, you know, kind of kind of uh, trust in the kindness of people. So the culture of that day was that if a guest came to your house, you took care of them. So let's say me and Millie are sitting there, and let's say at Super Bowl night. You know, we used to stay up late on that night, you know, and watch Manning win the Super Bowl. And um, that was prophetic. 